Then I want to talk about what I see God kind of leading us toward. And then uh, Phil, our associate pastor, is going to come up and talk uh, about family ministries. And then Moses is going to come up and share about Color Vault, our song project, and our work in that. Uh, Alicia will come up and review the budget, and then we'll have a time of Q&A at the very end. Um, so save all your questions for that time, because that's the fun one. Um, where we've been, you know, no surprise, COVID was uh, crazy. There was a lot of transitions that happened, transitions within our community, transitions within our leadership. And so one of the transitions that you may have been aware of, may not, I just want to highlight what they have been. Um, as a team of pastors, we started COVID with four pastors, and then we added three new pastors, Moses, Alicia, and Dan. And then this past May, Dane, who had been a pastor for about 10 years, um, him and his family transitioned to fully live upstate full-time. Um, Dane's work in our church is seen throughout the lives of a ton of people and in the spirit of prayer that we've seen kind of ignite within our community. And so it's one of those things where you're sad to see someone like that go, but it's beautiful to see the fruit of that continue. And we can say that with all the transitions that we've seen. And so that was a pastoral transition that we had. And so we went from four to, to eight, and then, or four to seven. Uh, I don't know. Forget the math. <laughs> and then we added Phil to our team of pastors as he joined us in August. And so um, the, the, our team of pastors consists of myself, uh, Phil as our staff pastors, and then we have lay pastors, which means they're doing it spare time and, and getting paid zero um, and love what God has called them to do. And so we're very lucky to have these individuals. But that's Kara Marriott, who's been a pastor for, uh, I think, 10 years as well. Justin Iwerks, similarly, a longtime pastor in our community. And for the last year, Dan, Alicia, and Moses. Um, and so that's our team. Uh, the role of our pastors is to shepherd people and this vision that we are to care for each individual that comes in this door and to take care of the vision that God has given us. The staff, who are largely ministers, um, they're the execution of that vision and mission. And, and so in our staff, we've seen transitions. And so our children's minister, Courtney, transitioned off of our team as she pursued being a stay-at-home mom. Um, Janice, who many of you enjoyed being led in worship, she has moved on from LMCC along with her family to pursue other things as well. Casey Crocker was our youth minister for about a year. He transitioned in the middle of COVID. Um, and then uh, I believe that's all on the staffing front, if I can remember. I'm sure someone will correct me if not. Um, and then on top of that, many of you have, can look around and you notice some faces that you're missing. And we've had to say goodbye to a lot of people as they've moved and transitioned out of the city as a result of COVID, as many of you have. And yet, at the same time, what's been beautiful is that over the course of these last six months, we have seen God bring new people, new person after new person. And it's this move now that God has of, of bringing new and this existing old. And what's been exciting for me in the fall is to see kind of a family reunion happen for those of you who haven't seen each other in a year and a half. And it's like my first time back at church in COVID and you're connecting. But then there's also these people that moved in the middle of COVID can you imagine, like, moving to this city with these restrictions and these challenges, and they're able to build and connect with community? And God bringing these two different groups, those who've been around for a while and those brand new, to build this body. And as I look ahead, the, there's one image in the scriptures that God has given about what I believe he hopes for our community to become. But we're not there. 
in the Old Testament, right after that whole, like, David giving Solomon all of this stuff to build the temple, he builds the temple with the help of every single member of the community, and then they dedicate the temple. And when they dedicate the temple, the Spirit of God fills it with such kind of heavy presence that people all fall on the floor, that they're in awe through their worship and their united efforts of what God has done. And then in the the chapters after, what we see is that God brings people from all over the world to see what he's done in this community. And so people come to see the excellence that the Spirit of God has done through a community that has worked together. They come to experience God's presence because that's where he's dwelling. And as I have thought through that, I really believe that that's where God wants us to get, but we have a long way to go. That there are work, there's work that we have to do as a community in our hearts towards one another and our city. There's work that we have to do in our actions of how we spend our time and how we use the gifts that he's given each of you, that together we would work towards that end, that we would see a move of God in our midst. We saw a taste of it in 2018. That wasn't the whole thing. There was just a taste. And what God has tried to use that is to teach us so that we can approach it with greater maturity the next time we face it. And now we're moving towards that goal together. And so part of that goal together is this idea of rebuilding the temple. And that's the theme for this entire vision meeting, is a rebuilding the temple. That we, in essence, today are kicking off a building campaign. It's just not a physical building. It is the building of the people of God. That in the scriptures, he says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit as an individual, but that he is working to build together each of us into a spiritual house as one body. And that's the work that we're headed towards. And the promise in Haggai is that the the glory of a new temple is greater than the former, that God's new works that he's doing are better than what he's done in the past. And we're seeking to embrace that as both a prophetic promise and something to pursue. So the first really key initiative that we are going to be focused on heavy is this idea of community development, of developing our community. And so we've always had phenomenal community groups, and we've said they've been at the heart, but we're going to be doubling down on that effort with our community groups. That There has been a number of new people, and we need a number of new groups, and we anticipate those new people only growing in January that as vaccinations and people feeling more and more comfortable, we anticipate families returning, we anticipate people becoming more comfortable. As more and more restrictions are removed, as more and more we see kind of a tail end of this pandemic experience. And so in light of that, we wanna see new community groups, not just for the people that are here, but groups that are preparing for new people to come regularly. That you're ready to see see a new face and greet a new face every single week, and that's not easy for for a number of people. But alongside of that, we want to see new baptisms. We want to see people come to faith. We want you to think about your coworker that doesn't know Jesus as someone who could know Jesus and could follow him. And so we want to encourage you and assist you in that process. Part of the way that we're going to do that is starting in January, we're going to have a sermon series called Healing Relationships. And one of the things that struggled the most in COVID outside of the sickness of disease was a sickness in relationships. That there was pain and fractures that happened as people were isolated in mental health issues, in marital and family issues, in singleness. And we believe that God is bringing us together to heal relationships. 
And it's a series that's not about dating, it's not about marriage, it's not about coworkers, not about those individually, but it's about the principles of what causes relationships to be healing and why some relationships have actually caused pain and hurt. And so we want to move towards that to be a healing community together. So that's happening in, starting in mid-January, and I don't have an end date with that, so we'll see what God does there. But we are going to have a few asks of you as the people of God. Number one, that you would invite boldly and consistently. For those of you who have been around for a long time, you know we had two big pushes. One was giving and one was invitation around Easter. What we've tried to do while we continue to have those traditions in those two arenas is that we would become more consistent throughout the year in pursuing these as spiritual disciplines, not as just spiritual seasons. And so we want you to invite boldly and consistently those to join you, believing that God could meet them, whether they're skeptics or not, here in, this, in the middle of this. But second is that you join a community group, that you look at your week and say, I'm going to set aside time every week, and it's a non-negotiable. For others, I'm going to invite you to say, hey, what would it look like for me to become a community group leader? We need more leaders. And you may say, I'm not ready. And we may say, we agree. <laughs> But we want to do a process of investing and caring for you so that you become one. Um, the last thing that we're going to ask of you is we want to rebuild our welcome team. This has always been the most hospital, hospitable community I've ever been a part of. And it starts with a welcome team, and then it creates a welcoming community. And so Jasmine's in the process now of rebuilding our welcome team. And so we're asking you to give time on a Sunday. You'd arrive at 10 and all of the morning, would, in that first 45 minutes, because that's when people get here, it's 1045, is that you <laughs> welcome people in. But you know who doesn't get here at 1045? New people. They're here at 1015 and 1020. And so if you want to meet someone new, please come then. Please come then. Please come then. Community development. So that's the first initiative. Now I'm going to pass it off to Phil. You know, Phil, as the associate pastor, has joined us in August. And part of Phil's experience is in leading and building and establishing family ministries. But as he did that, the skill set he needed, or he built in that, we needed drastically in creating alignment in our staff and strategies. And so he's only been here for two months. But the relief that I've felt in terms of the burden on my shoulders, the burden on our pastors, has been tremendous. And he's just getting started. And I think our staff will continue to grow and benefit of that. And so give a warm welcome to Phil as he talks about redesigning family ministries. So this is on, right? No? Yes? Okay. Um, so I've been... Uh, challenged a little bit with um, in scripture in Ze Zechariah and, and I think it's his third vision he has and he talks about uh, it's an angel I think but the, the vision of a, of a guy that measures Jerusalem he goes I mean, I'm just measuring Jerusalem to see if it's going to be big enough for everything that's coming and that's a little measure what we have make sure not necessarily that the room is big enough but the infrastructure is there that we can scale up that we have the the heart that we need to care for the people coming in we have the, the leaders we need we have the capacity that we need within ourselves so it's not necessarily about seats and chairs and and physical space it is a little bit but it's actually a bit bit bigger than that so as we look at who's coming to lmcc now and who's we're seeing come through the doors and marcy's work on that and um, i think it's 
probably wise to assume that over the next year will be there'll be some changes in the way we we minister to people the responsibilities of the team maybe some new faces will come on staff as we try and really meet the pastoral um, and the the discipleship needs of the newcomers that are that are finding LMCC and calling it home so I think there's still change to come that we can't see yet so we're navigating that and to help us navigate that we'll be adding a little bit to our operations team on staff so I think we've called it an executive assistant is, is the sort of working title it's a it's a part-time role that will help with kind of a, a catch-all of a number of things in, in that kind of operations world. Um, so that will help us a lot as we get as we um, gear up and kind of navigate into the next year. But some of the areas that we know we, will, we need to, to bolster is our families ministries. So um, we're looking for a, a hiring a children's minister, a part-time children's minister, to work on the foundations that, that Courtney did and Emily before her. It's, it's a solid foundation. It's a great ministry. It can just be so much better. So we're looking for someone to come onto that team and take it into the next phase. Um, you'll see in the beginning of next year um, that the children's ministry will have a new look and a new feel as we really work to try and create a space that kids love, they feel they, they own, that they belong to, that they can explore who they are in Christ. They can really be begin to explore and, and test out who God has made them to be in this safe place so that hopefully as they look back on their years as being children's and children's ministry, they think of, oh, that church was a safe place. It was a place that I was accepted. It was a place where I could ask questions, a place I could try and I could fail. And, and, and they welcomed me and they accepted me and it was fun. It was relevant. And yeah, hopefully they learned some, some theology and stuff along the way, but, but they, they feel comfortable and loved and cared for. That's, that's the hope, that's the goal. And really, that's the same goal in a new context in, in our student, in our youth ministry, in our student ministry. So alongside Jasmine, we're, we're revamping that, we're bringing that back um, to life. This week, in fact, tomorrow, I think, we have interviews with, um, uh, hopefully, someone will appoint to help Jasmine with youth ministry. They'll be working um, in Young Life and with us. So that's a Young Life employee, kind of more officially. But because of that relationship, they'll be able to um, draw from the experiences and the the infrastructure of Young Life, so the training, all the, the support networks, all the stuff that comes with that, which will hopefully provide us with a little bit more um, continuity um, and a little bit more um, stability in our youth ministry as we move forward into the next year. So that's really exciting. Um, hopefully we'll have more news on that in the next even weeks. Um, but that's that's our plan for families ministry. So I think if you think of investing in people as a whole over the next year, that's what we're going to be focusing on. It might involve the way we change things, where we look into more leaders and that kind of stuff. But definitely families, family ministries will be um, trying to shore up some of those, those loose ends. Thanks, Phil. We need some energy in this room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I have to go full on Arsenio Hall, I will, and I will start doing it. Um, so community development, our family ministries. The other, next thing I want to talk about is uh, cultivating worship, and uh, specifically around our song project. And so I want to just like remind you that years ago, we have felt God say, write, record, and release music that takes the spirit of worship in this place and then sends it out. That everyone could experience the st stories and testimonies through song of what the Spirit of God is doing here. And doing it not in a way of traditional worship ministries have done it. Historically, churches if I'm going to critique them, have used worship ministries for their own gain of brand and their own growth. And so when we see the artists that God has given us, we see them as gifted prophetic and priestly voices that invite us into the throne room of God 
through the songs they write and through their own heart of worshiping God. And so Alf, alongside of Alex uh, and Eric Marshall, have cultivated this, what does it look like to invest in our artists that we would see them create and write what I have termed transcendent worship music, meaning that it transcends beyond the walls of traditional worship so that anyone could hear it and connect with God. And so throughout the years as we've prayed, that's taken on the name Color Vault, and Moses is going to come up and share a little bit about what that actually means and give you a little more clarity and what to expect. So welcome, Moses. Hello. Um, so to echo what Logan said, Color Vault is a reflection of our obedient stewardship of two twin resources that God has given us. The first resource is the talented songwriters and artists that we have on our worship team. So that's Alf, that's Alex, and that's Eric Marshall, who led worship here a long time ago, lives in Nashville, but is sort of a long time uh, part of the LMCC family. And the other resource that God has given us is, is capital, to be able to put together with this talent in order to bring about this music and bring it into fruition and be able to put it out into the world. And so, you know, what I want to share today is what is Color Vault, who's involved, um, beyond the musicians, but including the musicians, and then concretely what we've been able to accomplish so far and uh, what you can expect to see. So, oh, that you can't even read that on the screen, which is great because it won't distract you. So here we go. I'll read it. Uh, this is the bio, which really, really well encapsulates the spirit of Color Vault, what we're trying to achieve with Color Vault. We are Color Vault. And we want to create a space for worship that's raw, curious, and unhindered. A space that embraces the mystery of God and every possible response to his majesty and love. A space that can hold the desperate pursuit of God's presence with enough room for pain and doubt. A space that unlocks the depths of the human soul. The place that feels trapped, confined, and misunderstood. Even space for the weird. Because worship isn't smooth, it's textured. We believe God can handle so much more than we dare express, which is why, through years of leading worship at Lower Manhattan Community Church, we sensed God calling us on this unrefined journey. We're a collective of Jesus followers who are passionate about helping others be in true relationship with their creator. Our desire is to embolden others to speak, cry out, sing all that's on their hearts, and unlock the color that's been buried within. Worship is defiance, and worship is surrender. And, you know, this like I said, very well encapsulates the spirit of Color Vault. Uh, if you, you know, as Alf would tell it, it's based on the parable of the lost sheep. In the parable of the lost sheep, a shepherd has 99 sheep, has 100 sheep and loses one and goes out to find the one sheep and brings it back. And, you know, as Logan said, a lot of, it, the, the way we see a lot of the, the church music that's out there, the worship music that's out there is that it's for the 99. It's for the folks that are already committed, faithful, and it leaves out that one sheep. And the goal with us is to create music that is for the 100. Great music pointed directly at God. And so that's what we've been, that's what we've been looking to achieve with Color Vault. And the people, you know, there's a great analogy that uh, Kara has created about the people that are you know, sort of working to make this happen uh, within Color Vault. And uh, it's just an analogy of different 
parts of the body. So you have the heart, which are the three songwriters, um, Alex Taylor, Eric Marshall, and Alf. Uh, they write music together and individually. They serve as creative producers for one another, encouraging and challenging each other musically and spiritually. Um, as you know, Alf directs the music here on Sunday mornings. Alex leads worship at LMCC. Eric has led worship at LMCC and at other churches in the past and is sort of a longtime part of the LMCC family. And together, these men have led thousands of people in worship in this room and in other rooms. And, you know, we're excited for them to, to create this transcendent worship music that will lead tens of thousands, if not millions of people in worship around the world. Um, within that, you also have the ear, which is specifically Alf, who's the music director of this project, the creative steward of Color Vault. You know, Alf works with myself and Kara on a weekly basis to decide which artists we might bring into Color Vault in the future, and then shepherds the songwriting and recording, managing and encouraging and pushing the artists to do their best work. Um, people may not know this, in his day job, Alf gets paid to teach people how to hear, how to listen to music. He knows where good music comes from. He can hear it even when it's still being formed, and he is driven by uncovering it. And so we're just so blessed to have Alf creatively stewarding this project. Uh, next up, you have the hands, uh, which is Karim. Um, Y'all may not know this, but uh, Karim is a Grammy award-winning producer. Uh, Gra sorry, Grammy, oh, sorry, Gra dang. That really takes the, Grammy nominated is awesome. Uh, Karim is a Grammy nominated producer who is our sound engineer and producer on all of the Color Vault music. Um, and he's the mastermind of our sound on Sundays. Um, but he works so closely with Alf and the musicians to make our music sound the way it does. And he's done an excellent job at it and is going to continue to do an excellent job at it. Um, next up is the I, which is Sam Rodbell. I don't know if she's in the room. But Sam, um, Sam basically oversees everything visual. Uh, this, Sam. Um, oversees all visual creative video, photography, social media, graphic design, and Sam's experiences as an, as an internationally renowned DJ. She used to DJ at some of the most well-known spots in this city. Um, and so, you know, she's been inspired to come on board and work with us. Uh, her, she just loves God so much and her and loves this community so much. And so given her experience and that passion, she's uniquely qualified and suited for this project to sort of help us visually bring about what Color Vault means. Um, you have the voice, which is Anka, who is our copywriter. That bio that you heard, that beautiful bio, that was Anka. And she just helps us describe to the rest of the world how our music is an expression of worship of our king. Um, and so, you know, between Anka and Sam, they visually and, uh, and literally communicate the message of Color Vault to the world beyond the music. And then uh, someone who's not here, but someone who was a, a profound provision for us is a guy named Robbie Towns. Um, I, I was connected to Robbie through my work in uh, the secular music industry. And uh, Robbie's a guy out of Nashville who is uh, well-respected throughout the industry. And it's so funny because the person that connected us has no idea about either of our sort of um, uh, faith in Christ. And so... Uh, yeah, we just immediately realized that he was provisioned from God. And he's, 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 he's essentially like our label services guy. He actually helps us 
project manage and put all the pieces in place that help us get from having amazingly produced music by Alf and Karim and the songwriters to having music that's actually out in the world for you to listen to wherever you are. And so those are, you know, th that's, that's Robbie. And then you have, you know, what, what Kara and I refer to ourselves as, which is we're the suits. We're the folks from the team of pastors that, um, make, you know, we know that this project needs to be artist driven, but it also needs to be faithful to God's call and God's vision for what we're supposed to be doing. And so we make sure that it's that we make sure that we're obedient in this mission. And so it's Kara and I that sit with Alf on a weekly basis. It's Kara and I that meet with Sam and Anka and sort of make sure that every single thing that we're doing is is what we say we're trying to achieve, which is this music pointed at the heart of God to actually lead people into transcendent worship of, of our King. And so, um, and so that's all the people involved in Color Vault, but then there's also LMCC. And if all of, you know, if, if Color Vault is its own body with heart and hands and eyes and voice, LMCC is its mother. And um, LMCC is birth Color Vault, LMCC is going to sustain and nourish and encourage Color Vault. And as all mothers eventually want for their children, it may be that eventually Color Vault matures and becomes somewhat independent of LMCC, but the idea is that LMCC will continue to celebrate and support and nurture Color Vault as it, as it matures. And so that's what is Color Vault, who's involved in Color Vault. Um, the last thing is what we've actually been able to achieve so far. And, you know, starting in September, we started releasing singles. So we put out Fortress, the crowd favorite. We put out Shall Be Forever by Alex, and we put out Carry Me Along last week. Um, and the week of Thanksgiving, we'll wrap all those three songs up with another two songs into an EP. And then starting in January, we're going we're gonna to sort of rerun the cycle all over again and have two or three singles, another repeat, wrap all of that up into an album. And then by the end of 2022, produce another 10 songs that will, um, that will wrap up into another couple of EPs and album as well. So the, the goal is for this to be a steady, constant uh, drip of music for, for the world to hear. And, uh, you know, the in terms of concrete fruit and output that we've been able to see um, from, from Color Vault, you know, there are, the, there are the three songs that have been released. 10 have already been produced and mastered, and that's the, then those are the 10 that we have sort of line of sight into when we're gonna be releasing them. And then by the end of 2022, we will have released 20 songs through Color Vault, which is really exciting. But beyond that, the, the real fruit is the people. Um, that Color Vault is touching. And, you know, uh, Color Vault's reached 50 times the number of people that were able to, that, that come through the doors on a Sunday with, as of 11 a.m., sorry, my handwriting is, is messy, but as of 11 a.m., uh, 18,590 different people, listeners, have, have, have listened to Color Vault music and 35,253 uh, streams of Color Vault. And that's just on Spotify. That leaves out Apple. That leaves out all the other different... Um, the different platforms. By the end of 2022, you know, we, 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 wanna, we, we, we want this thing to grow. That's the, that's the idea, is that with every release we come out with, we want this thing to grow. And so we're targeting by the end of 2022 to have 40,000 monthly listeners and 100,000 monthly streams. And we believe we can achieve that as we continue to grow. Um, new things that everybody should be looking out for. So in addition to all the new music that we're coming out with, we've got 
music videos for each of the three singles, which we're really excited about. We've got more of this merch coming. We're going to have some shows and some local release celebrations as, 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 our, as our music comes out. And then as we, as, we, as we look at Color Vault, you know, we don't think of it just as a band. We think of it as a collective. So there's room for other artists to either collaborate with us or to become part of the, to become part of the Color Vault collective. And so look for expansion in that way as well. That's what we're doing. We're really excited about it. Find it on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you listen to music, and, uh, and, and check it out. Thank you. Um, Karim, he was just speaking prophetically. That, that Grammy's coming. Uh, so, um, so what I see with Color Vault is this example of us trying to follow God by faith, and then figuring out what that means, which is what we challenge each of you to do, that when God calls you to do something, step out in faith and begin, believing that God will form and shape it. And so the reason that I wanted Moses to share all of that with our community is that God has formed and shaped that vision with more clarity, and we haven't had a chance to really just unpack that with you. Um, and so we just wanted to celebrate, one, that God has given clarity um, because that's really kind of him to be able to share and really shape it into something that it is. The second thing I did want you to see, Moses mentioned that he and Kara kind of oversee that portion. It's a little bit of how our team of pastors operates, is that each part of the vision we tend to kind of divide and conquer as people that shepherd it forward, and then we collectively, prayerfully discuss and decide on what that looks like. And so that's happening in a few different areas. And so... Um, I just mentioned that we're investing in community, we're investing in family ministries, and we're investing in Color Vault. You know, this last year, as we've, last year, half, however long you want to say COVID is, or still going, whatever you want, we've had to make sure that we've been faithful stewards because we had no idea what to expect. And while we still have no idea what to expect, we're trying to respond to God's call around our money for the future. And so as we invest in these things, what we're about to introduce to you is an increase in our budget that we think aligns with our ability to do that. And so Alicia Lee is going to come up. Um, she and Dan are the ones that tend to oversee kind of this budgeting process. So welcome Alicia with the same warmth and celebration that you do everyone else. Um, so... She's going to discuss numbers. They are going to be on the screen, but I doubt that you're going to see them because it's so tiny, just like the Color Vault piece. Um, but I will be sending out kind of this as a summary so that people can kind of engage with it. So. Great. Thank you, Logan. And I, I think that might be the first time in history that a budget review has gotten a round of applause. So I thank you for that. Um, for, from now on, I only want to draft behind Moses and, and whatever he's talking about. Um, so as Logan said, my name is Alicia Lee. I'm one of the lay pastors. And I'm so glad, Logan, you finally clarified for people what a lay pastor is. I think it's kind of a confusing term, right? I, I, I was, actually was afraid that people thought like, oh, lay pastor, like you kind of lay around. Like, you know, you don't, you don't work as hard as others. But like Logan said, it just means that... Um, you know, we're not vocational pastors, that um, a number of us have jobs um, outside of the church. Um, and for me, I have a couple of jobs outside of the church. Um, my first job is I'm a wife and a mother to two very troublesome little kids. Um, and the second is I work at an investment bank. Um, I think what I learned from Logan today is that God was the original investment banker. 
but I've been doing it for a while too. Um, so I've been a banker for about 18 years, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a part of a two-person finance team um, on uh, the team of pastors. Um, Dan Carpenter is the other one. Um, he's a lawyer at an investment firm, and we're responsible for looking after um, anything to do with numbers around the church. Um, we have a wonderful finance and operations team on staff. It's Ashley Wolf, our bookkeeper, and Mia Mareh, our CFO. And any mistakes that you might see up here, if you can see anything at all, um, it's definitely not theirs, it's definitely Dan's. Um, all right, so let's dig in. Um, so you're, you see three columns up there. Um, we'll start with um, the first couple of columns. Those are the 21 forecast and the 21 actual. 21 forecast means that a year ago, I stood up here and said, hey, for the coming year, this is our best estimate for what the next year will bring. 21 actual means, all right, well, we're most of the way through the year already, so we have a lot of actual numbers to refine our view of what, uh, what the, you know, the end of the year will look like once, once we reach it. Um, and then the third and final column is the 2022 budget. So this is where we're saying, um, this is what we believe the next year might look like. All right, so now let's talk about the rows. I find the rows to be really awkward because in the rows we use some technical accounting language that might be confusing if you're not an accountant. Um, but more than that, it's just so impersonal, right? Like, it, it couldn't be further from the truth of what we're actually doing at this church. So I'm gonna do my best to try to bridge that gap. Um, so first, let's talk about the rows in terms of the first couple of columns, and we'll compare and contrast what we thought this year was gonna look like and what it's you know, turning out to be, um, and then we'll talk about the 2022 budget. All right, so the first row, income. It's a funny word to use at a church, but all it really means is the money that you all are giving to God in the form of tithes and offerings, and you're giving it to him through our church. Last year, Logan felt the Lord press on him $3.3 million for our top line. And so that's why you see that number up there. So, so far, we have received over $2 million in tithes and offerings. So we're about two-thirds of the way there. Um, the giving at this church tends to be really back-end loaded in the year. Um, so we may very well hit 3.3 or even exceed it by the time we get to the end of the year. So let's just pause for a second on that. You know, it's so easy in New York City to become numb to big numbers. Um, but if you stop and think about it for a second, Look to your right and look to your left. And there are people who had to you know, go home early and they're gonna be streaming this or um, maybe they're watching it on Zoom, um, but it's us. It's all of you and all of us who, um, this not so big group, we love and trust God so much that we gave him two million so far this year and by the end of the year, it might be 3.3, it might be more. And that is nothing short of a miracle. So I just wanna pause and reflect on that for a second. You can clap for that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so that's income. Um, we anticipated about a million dollars of payroll for the church staff this year. That's pretty much where we'll end up. Um, and the next line after that is outside giving. Um, each year, uh, our church targets giving about a third of what comes in through our doors to organizations outside of our doors. Um, these organizations serve the poor and the overlooked, and they were all here at Mission Sunday, so hopefully you got um, 
uh, got a chance to spend some time with some of these organizations. Um, after outside giving, you'll see Sunday services. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It's the cost of renting this beautiful space. Um, it's how we pay our children's workers, our worship team, the bagels. Um, you'll see that we spent more than we expected to on Sunday services this year, and that's because we had to level up our Sunday tech to be able to offer both a, an excellent physical as well as an excellent virtual um, uh, service for our congregation. Um, Color Vault, you just heard Moses talk about. We spent just about what we anticipated this year. Um, below that, you'll see retreats and events. Of course, we spent only about half of what we thought we would, COVID. Um, and same goes for general ministry costs. Now, on this final category, general ministry costs, I'll just point out that it sounds like a boring category, but it's actually an incredibly important part of our church. This is um, the cost of community group meetings, which is where a lot of church happens. Um, it's the cost of our care ministry where we help the people of our congregation pay for the counseling that they need. It's where we provide uh, benevolence to our people in need. Um, in COVID, there was just a little bit less of everything, but we hope that that changes next year. Um, so we anticipate our full year 21 expenses being $3.3 million. And, you know, if indeed our income is $3.3 million, um, somehow that just kind of lines up, right? Like, I, I see miracles in numbers, and um, it just is incredible to me that God knows just how to balance the books. Um, there is one item to point out below the $3.3 million, um, and that's a $300,000 write-off that we did on our books this year. And that's one of those technical accounting things that I was warning you about. Um, so a couple of years ago, we gave $300,000 to a Christian-founded, mission-driven restaurant. Um, and unfortunately, they closed down during COVID. So it was time to reflect that in our books and records this year. Um, so on to next year, on to 2022. Please consider the word draft stamped over our 2022 budget. Um, with so much happening at our church right now, and of course it being a time of transition into normalcy, um, we're still very much scrutinizing these numbers. Um, but so far, this is what we can see. Now, first, the 3.3 million that you'll see on the top line, that's just a placeholder for now. Um, we're waiting for God to speak to Logan and really to speak to all of us about um, what next year is going to bring in terms of the top line. So that's just a placeholder for now. Um, below that, you'll see a higher payroll number. Um, you know, you heard Phil mention we're planning to hire a part-time children's minister, a youth pastor, an executive assistant to support our staff. Um, there's a couple other potential hires built into that number, and as these things uh, firm up, um, we'll, of course, communicate them to the church. Um, outside giving, that's just another plug. That's just um, us taking... Um, you know, the, a third of the placeholder uh, top line, as I mentioned, so that's still a question mark. Um, Sunday service costs will go up as people come back to the church. Uh, and then you heard from Moses that we continue to invest in Color Vault. Um, it's clearly starting to bear some wonderful fruit. And as we move from year one into year two of Color Vault, um, you'll see more of that fruit and also a higher level of spend associated with it. Um, our plan is to bring back our all-church retreat in March of 22. Um, you can clap for that, too. Um, so that number, we expect, we hope, will be up in a big and wonderful way. Same goes for our general ministry costs. Um, so that brings our total anticipated expenses up to $4.4 million next year. It's a $1 million increase, um, about a third up versus our actual spend this year. And that's not a 
top-down view. It's not like we looked at the church and said, how can we spend more by about a million dollars? No, this is very much bottoms up. It's looking ministry by ministry. What do we need? What has God called us to do? And that's how we arrived at the 4.4 million. Um, you can just ignore the $1 million loss under that since the 3.3 is just a placeholder. Um, so too is that uh, $1 million. Um, uh, the last thing I'll say is that we have $2.5 million of cash reserves in the bank. Um, we get questions about that every year, so um, let me just say that we're not guarding that money, um, but we also haven't clearly heard from God about what we're supposed to do with it, and we won't act until we do. Um, so hopefully that's helpful to you all. Um, for some of you, this is just enough information, but for others of you, maybe you want a whole lot more. You know, if you're one of those people, please call me, call Dan. We're happy to take you through every number, every decimal point that you want. We are an open books church here. All right, thank you, Alicia. Um, as she mentioned, that is draft. Um, we, starting next Sunday, we're going to be starting pushing uh, for you to pledge for the coming year to participate in this effort where you identify what you anticipate giving for the, for the next year. And then as a result of that, we begin to assess how do we need to adjust the budget based on that. Um, Mia helped us transition to PushPay as our giving platform this year, and so we will be also be doing the pledge process through PushPay. That automated process allows for you to see it and no one else that you know what you pledged. And if we really have to, to try to identify kind of anything like that, we could. But our goal is to make this about you and God. Uh, and so we're even trying to make our platforms kind of follow that heart. Last thing I'll say before Q&A. You know, she mentioned a couple things. 3.3 uh, line was something that I heard last year, and we didn't hit it in pledges, but we may hit it in income. We may hit it in expenses, and who knows what God was saying. <laughs> he loves to say things and then reveal it later. Um, I, every year, try to seek God and say, give me a number, give me a number, give me a number. Um, he gave me a dream, and I don't know if it's a number, but in the dream, um, I was given a, uh, a budget sheet just like that, and the bottom line said 5.7 million. <laughs> um, and as you can see, that's a lot more than we budgeted for in terms of expenses. That's a lot more than I have ever seen this church bring in. Um, and so it sounded ludicrous. And so I just shared with the team, I was like, I don't know if that's God's number, and I don't. I don't know if it was just a dream because of what I ate that night. I don't know if I saw that number on a billboard and it just stuck there and came out in the dreams. But what if? What if that's what God does? What if he brings in 5.7? Um, every time that we have money that comes in, as Alicia said, we want to go to God and ask two questions. God, what do you want us to do? What do our neighbors need? You know, what does it look like for us to be a place that says, if you say it, we'll do it. And then to say, our neighbors are who you love, and you want us to love them as you loved us. And so there's dreams attached to that. You know, we've, we've dreamed about what it looks like to invest in this neighborhood with potentially education, with a preschool, uh, with something that could grow beyond a preschool. We've talked about healing centers in the past, justice centers. Um, even a permanent venue, even though that's not you know, necessarily what we believe God's asking us, could there be a space that serves throughout the, the week more of the needs of our community and our neighbors if we had a permanent space? We don't know. But I would love for us to be more in the dreaming fashion than in kind of the analyzing fashion. That we would say, man, what if, what could God do if we release all of these resources? Um, so with that, um, I'm gonna open it to Q&A. And I think there's going to be some Q&A that may get submitted through 
Zoom, if there is, feel free. But also in the room, as you ask a question, I'll repeat it so that the recording can kind of follow that. So, any questions from all of that information? Yes. I'm wondering if there's a way that we can be more um, purposeful in the way we pray for things like our partners and million dollars to go for and for color ball. I, I feel like I, there's not a routine of that going on. And that mm -hmm. It could be maybe an easy thing to do, but I, I would love to be putting my prayers towards color ball, and yet I've been blind to it, especially yeah. up to this point. And I don't feel like I, I could use reminders on all of our partners. I mean, there's you know, 20 some partners, and yeah. it's just, you know, it blows you away, but I only really get focused on them once a year. Yeah, yeah, Ivan brings up a great point and a good question. You know, just how do we effectively communicate and empower um, our community to be engaged, involved, and especially prayerful? You know, like the whole idea of like, if God's not in it, it's all vanity. Um, and so that's a great question. Um, as far as an answer goes, I think one, we're gonna go back and take that question and go, what does that look like, you know, to us? You know, Phil and I were just talking the other day to be more intentional in our communication strategy to be able to articulate that. There are a few avenues of prayer that we, we do have. Um, you know, we have pre-service prayer that has been back in person now. It's actually up here on the 12th floor. It's at 9.30, you're welcome to join. We tend to direct that prayer towards what happens on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday, Jasmine, alongside of Alex and Karen, lead a, a worship and prayer time on Zoom. Um, and so that may be a place that we can consider what it looks like to be focused in kind of those prayer requests. Um, and then we have a prayer team. And if that's something that you'd like to be involved in, um, we want to make sure that we open that up. You know, we, we haven't because kind of like post-COVID, we're like, I don't know, <laughs> like we're trying to figure everything out. Um, but our prayer team gathers separately on Tuesdays, uh, primarily over Zoom now to pray. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal point of what it looks like to be participating in prayer. And so that'll be something that in our, with our team of pastors uh, we'll both discuss and try to come back quickly of what it looks like to, to do. It's a great question. Yeah. Any other questions? Reactions, comments? <laughs> Let's see how many honks we can get outside. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. And anytime I, well, before I pray, anytime I meet one-on-one -on -one with somebody, I always tell them the same thing. And I'm telling you today. Um, we don't view this as the end of the conversation. You know, this is just part of the conversation. And so, because I know what happens in me is that I walk away and I'm like, ah, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have asked this. You know, um, I wasn't comfortable asking in person. I would love to talk about it privately. Um, we are absolutely open to that. I prefer that. If you want to go outside of here and talk with someone, would love for you to talk with me <laughs> about kind of what you think or feel about what you heard and what you saw. Um, it would be a pleasure and a joy to kind of process that with you. So with that, let me pray. And then uh, we'll be done for today. Father, this act of surrender um, that we are trying to do in worship, we also do with this, your church, your community. It's 
Uh, it's really about your glory. It's about your name going forward. And um, God, there's a lot that we want to see you do. But you say that you could do more than we could imagine. So you can do more than we could ask. And we want to be able to gather next year and say that you did. That we saw what you did. We saw how you worked. And that you, um, you met us not only in what we were dreaming about, but what you're dreaming about for us. And so that's how we close today. We, as individuals and as a church, surrender it back to you, that you would do as you please with us and with this church. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.